Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we're into John 7 of the Clash of Kings. In our Maester study, we will be discussing Wex Pike. And in our Raven, we will be talking about Skagos. Hey, that is correct, man. Hey, shout out, uh, by the way. Um, let me get it pulled up here in the uh, Google Drive. We, we keep saying, as we said, all you guys got to do is just ask us to make a video on somebody or something, and uh, we will. And so yep. this comment came to us. Um, let me get it pulled up here. Sorry. This is what happened. Uh, Yusuf um, Ilium Alam. I think he's sent us some stuff before. Uh, he just says, hey, big fan. I hope you could make a video about Skagos and Rickon theories. So... We're dedicating okay. a big part of our show today to Skagos and Rickon and what's going to happen with him and a little bit about Wex Pike because he ties into it and that's all you got to do. So I love shout it. out to him. Give him a shout out. So other than that, Ez, yeah. how you been, man? How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Not sure if I'll announce it this episode. Maybe I'll wait till next episode. Uh, but some big life changes for Sir Ezra, the watchful, super pumped and excited about those and and yeah, man, it's kind of crazy. The school year's wrapping up, and um, and it's wrapping up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's 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 exciting. Um, I'm pumped. We had a really good time with our our bannerman. By mm -hmm. the way, just a couple of days ago, we had that on Friday. I um, I don't remember how I got upstairs off the Zoom. <laughs> I don't remember how I got there. But uh, thank you to whoever tucked me in. On, on that Friday night. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, if I offended anybody, I'm sorry. But also, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We had, a, we had a fantastic time. That was, that was actually a lot of fun. We were on there for hours. Mm -hmm. Hours. Yeah, with, that's with what happens, friends. man. It's always like, yeah, maybe it was, maybe it was like a two-hour hangout. It ends up being like five hours. So, yeah, those are yeah. a ton of fun. Our, our Zoom uh, hangouts with our bannermen who are in that bannerman, bannerman tier on Patreon. Speaking of which... Um, there might be some new cool stuff uh, coming for those of you who aren't necessarily on Patreon but do want to support the show. Looks like Apple Podcast is getting ready to have some sort of cool subscription there that might be a lot easier for people who are just listen. But you know, Patreon's kind of it's a different thing you have to go to. This is kind of I think is going to have it all just right there. So. Um, that yeah, they announced that at their investor day a couple of days ago. It's going to be coming next month, so kind of going to wait and see what that looks like if that's going to be anything cool. But so that could make it a lot easier for people if you want some of that extra content and stuff like that. You can have it there, um, is what it maybe it looks like. So that could be pretty cool. So, um, House of the Dragon news says there's been a little bit of filming, uh, stuff going on. We've seen a little bit of sets. Yeah. Nothing particularly right. super major yet, but um, seems like there's gonna be a lot of ships. Seems uh, that seems to be what people are saying on Reddit is uh, seems like there's gonna be a lot of naval combat maybe this first season. Hey, that's cool with me. I I, I heard is this? Um, did you also hear about the dragons? Wasn't there like some news about there being a quite a few like significantly more than maybe we even thought based upon the maybe our, our text? I saw a rumor somewhere where someone was kind of. Uh, reporting that there might be more dragons in this than we had originally thought, Think. and I was like, "Wow, that's kind of cool." I mean, they can do whatever they want with dragons. I, I you know, the more the better, sure. Um, but uh, 
to, to kind of help us show the demise, like we might start off with a bunch at the beginning of House of Dragon and, and kind of whittle them down or something. I mean, we that happens anyways, naturally. Just I think they're going for, like, let's let's go crazy with the dragons. So that'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I will man. say, I just watched a little bit of The Crown, uh, which has Matt Smith in it. And I like Matt Smith because I saw him in Doctor Who, but I haven't really watched him in much outside of that. And I was like, oh, man, yeah, he's yeah. going to be... He's gonna be great as Damon Targaryen. I mean, not that I not even just knowing yeah. him from Doctor Who, I had no doubt. But seeing him in something where that, where it's you know different than Doctor Who, which is kind of because sometimes be kind of fun and you know comedic and stuff like that, like yeah. real hardcore serious drama. I was like, oh, he's gonna be, he's gonna be great. <laughs> nice. Let's go. Okay. Oh, All right. Well. Awesome. Um, so hey, so we're gonna jump into we're kind of really tackling uh two big sections today. So I think maybe we should either start with our Raven and our Macer study and then go to the chapter or do the chapter first, because we're gonna be in two different trains of thought. Is that why we're not going back and forth? Yeah. Uh yeah, what do you you where's where's your mind fresh? Where where is uh Sir Matt most fresh right now? What do you think? Well you my mind is fresh. That, my mind yeah, is fresh in the Raven. You were just you were just going through the all the John stuff for for the chapter. Yeah. So it's it's sort it's up to well, you. Well also also Sir Ezra's still not fresh based upon last Friday, if you guys can't tell. Matt had to you know get me down here and wrote wrote me into that. Right. <laughs> okay, uh, so let's let's just What do you think it's yeah, let's let's do let's do our Maester study and then our Raven because they kind of go together, and then we'll do the reread okay. and we'll jump into we'll jump into John because that's going to lead us down some paths of like, you know, House Dane and stuff like that. So that's totally two totally different trains of thoughts here. So um, so let me yeah. gotcha. click on this here. So Wex Wex Pike, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, diving Wex, into him. I, I thought, start there. Yeah, I thought he would be an interesting person for our Maester study, just because he is going to tie into our Raven, which is just sort of us talking just in general about what we think about Skagos and and what's going on there and Rick and Stark, um, and a lot of that comes from this character Wex Pike, right? Um, he sort of shows up, and he is a mute boy, but he will end up drawing pictures with chalk. That leads us to to know just where Rickon is on Skagos, right? That he ends up following Rickon and, and Osha and seeing that they're actually alive, and then he ends up telling, you know, like Manderly and and stuff like that. And so it's kind of it's kind of interesting. It's like this this kid's kind of an important thing. So he's the bastard son of Sargon Botley of Lordsport. He's born mute. Um, at first they think maybe he's actually just non-intelligent and then they realize, oh, he is intelligent. He just can't speak. Um, he has a sort of dark hair, um, sharp nose, pointed chin, says he learns quickly and is adept with daggers. So he actually becomes Theon's squire as part of a deal, uh, that Theon strikes to buy a horse, Smiler from Lord Swain Botley of Lordsport. Wex recognizes Asha Greyjoy when she comes to uh, when she claims to be um, Iskred, right? You know, uh, and embarrasses mm-hmm. her brother Theon, right? You know, and she's pretending, to, and Theon almost hooks up with his sister. Well, right. I don't think that would have happened, but he, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. So he is later part of the capture of Winterfell, 
Uh, he sleeps below the foot of Theon's bed in Winterfell. Um, when Bran and Rick and Stark disappear, Wax is part of the search party and surprises um, a vixen at a stream. He claps his hands to point out that they are now only seeing wolf prints and not Hodor's tread. Theon thinks the search party has been tricked. Theon sends Wex back to Winterfell before he goes to the Akon Water Mill um, with Reek, and we know what, what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the he's there during he's there when the castle is kind of um, burned, and then we don't see him again until a dance with dragons. So it's a long time before we mm-hmm. see him again. We know he survives the sack of Winterfell by climbing the heart tree in the Godswood, and he witnesses the departure of Bran and Rickon Stark along with the direwolves and companions. He follows Rickon and Osha and Shaggy Dog, learning that they are abandoning the mainland and crossing the Bay of Seals to Skagos. Eventually falling under Manderly control, Wex is taken to White Harbor, where they realize he is not unintelligent, only mute. They begin to teach him his letters, asking only yes or no questions, and he uses chalk to draw pictures. Uh, Wyman Manderley and Robert and Robert Glover learn the truth of the sack of Winterfell, and Wex uh, reputes Ramsay's claim of Theon being to blame. After Davos uh, is captured and his execution is faked, Wex is introduced to Davos in the new castle, and Davos finds that Wex's eyes look older than the boy's actual age. Wex reveals the location of Rickon by throwing Robert's dagger. Uh, uh, Robit's dagger, excuse me, at Skagos on Wyman's map. Saying that's where he is. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, he, he is interesting. I mean, because, you know, he's around. I think they think he's unintelligent. You might say something in front of him um, so that, that he's going to pick up on. But who can he tell? He's mute. He's not going to go tell anybody. So people make that mistake. It's the same sort of syndrome you have with fools, right? You say something in front of a fool that maybe you're like, ah, whatever. They're not, they don't really matter. Uh, so he, he is that type of character who we could overlook. And people aren't really sure. There's, there's theories about this. Like, how did he actually end up with um, House Manderley? You know, like, how does he get there? Because he does follow... And again, this isn't a Davos chapter. It's in a, in, a, in a Dance with Dragons where they're basically communicating for Wex, saying, Wex told us this. He followed them. He said this is where they went. Um, but why does he, like, how, how does he get there? Is he captured by Manderley? Like, is it, like unless I miss something or, I, or I'm totally misremembering, I think he just, boom, in, ends up here and is conveniently here. So uh, mm-hmm. if, if I miss that, someone let me know. But there there might be some more going on here with with this you know as as to where Rickon is i mean like how trustworthy you know are we just sending davos over there is is wex does, does he really know did wex get captured did osha did he go all the way there with him sir matt you know those are all the things that you have all these questions about like right. how far are we going to trust wex uh so yeah I, I think I, it seems likely that we're going to because it seems like Davos is going to be is is going to go there. Now, remember, um, you and I were, t- were talking and we're going to we'll touch on this again here in a minute when we get to the Raven. Um, it's interesting because I was looking at stuff about, you know, the pink letter. And again, the show does this where we like, hold on a second. We got to think back and forth about this stuff. Right. Because we love to use, you know, I think, again, we'll say this. It's, I think it's 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 okay to use the show as some sort of distance point of things that may come and winds of winter. Um, 
So in the show, the pink letter doesn't even come until after John's resurrected, right? Mm -hmm. Remember we looked that up, and then uh, what happens actually is Umber House Umber House Umber comes to Ramsey after he's killed Bruce, and he's saying, "I want help because John the John Snow, who's still alive in the show at this point, is uh, or no, excuse me, John Snow is he's been killed." Uh, at, at in the show because John gets killed way before the pink letter in the show. Um, anyway, they say, "Hey, all these wildlings are brought forth. John Snow brought them, brought them over the wall. If they start coming down, I I don't want to take them all on by myself." So he comes sort of to come to terms with Ramsey, and he says, "Well, I uh, he says I'm not going to bend my knee to you. I'm not kissing your ring. I'm not doing anything." He's like, "But I do have a, a gift for you, and it's Rickon and Osha." And they've mm-hmm. killed and they've killed Shaggy Dog. So then, when Ramsey writes the pink letter in the show to John, it's "Hey, I have your brother." Right. Now, switch gears here, uh, and then ultimately, you know, they kill him at the battle at the Battle of Winterfell, Battle of the Bastards. Okay, and let's switch gears here to the books. In the books, the pink letter is written. And then John dies. John dies because of the pink letter. He says, hey, look, they've got all these things. I'm thinking about going. He's then killed. Well, one of the things that's not on there is Rickon. They don't have Rickon. They think they have – they think they had Arya Stark. They didn't actually. They had Jane Poole. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be, you know, kind of interesting to see how that – how that – how that – how that plays out with Rickon. Um and the, and the pink letter. And so now here you have wax telling Manderly, Hey, that's where Rick and Stark is. And then we're going to send Davos there to go get him. Mm -hmm. So what's, what's, you know, what's Manderly's player. That to me is that you look at that grand Northern conspiracy. It seems a lot more likely because a lot of the pieces we saw in the show don't exist. And so it's really more, it's all wide open. It's totally wide open. We don't even have to have a battle of the bastards. Stannis and Ramsey could kill each other, and then you could prop Rickon up, and here you go. Now the Manderleys could be sort of his advisors on how to run the North. And they're suddenly a lot more positioned. Yeah, that's true. One thing you can ask yourself is, um, when you think about Rickon, you think about where we're going to go here, and I know this might be tied into some of your your Raven, but... um, like, is he going to make it? Is he not going to make it? And that's when you start to speculate on on that. And you think what could happen either one, as you said, he's propped up in Winterfell and he makes it and we're good. Um, or Davos does try to bring him to Manderley, who's at Winterfell, or, or, or bring him to Stannis, who he's heard rumor of. And they're caught up in a conflict that we don't know how it's going to work out. And so you take Rickon from a safe place on Skagos into harm's way. And yeah, he could... Maybe he should have stayed there, and maybe Davos will have to kind of deal with that. It's like I took this boy, right, and I and for as a chess piece, I maneuvered him, similar to Melisandre, you know, maneuvering other people. I think Davos might have to deal with some of that if he's the reason why Rickon is lost. So we don't know. We have no idea where that where that all could go, but it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. It is, and a lot, of, and all this is tying to this character Wex Pike, and what's going to happen with him? Isn't it interesting that here you have a mute character, and we have another mute character too, who the show just completely forgets about? Um, but in, in the books, it's it's big reversal, right? Um, 
and oh god, now I'm blank, now I'm blanking, uh, blanking on his name. Uh, Ellen Payne. Ellen Payne is oh, another yeah. mute character mm-hmm. who yeah. we think might have a big, uh, might have a, a big role to play because remember in the books he is the one that's training Jamie Lannister to fight, not Bronn like we see in the show. How yeah. to fight with one hand? Yeah, it, and yeah, he's interesting. Still alive. And he was the one who killed. Well, he's been there. Remember he was the one why who he killed Ned Stark? And remember why his tongue was cut out? He's been there for a long time. Sir, uh, yeah, Sir, Sir Ellen Payne had been there for a long time. His eyes are also des- described as uh, having no color, being colorless, uh, meaning mm-hmm. we have no. He's, he's a total wild card. We don't know where he's going to go. Uh, very interesting. Card. Yeah. And so yeah. So here you have somebody in the north and Wax do it, and it's and it's pretty similar. So interesting, interesting point just about Wax uh, Wax Pike and to kind of think about his his role and and again he's another guy. I will say you know we sometimes we think about some of these characters just like. Somebody we might talk about today a little bit, uh, Stone Stone Snake, right? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, still, still out, out there. there, and we and we say, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe he'll never show up again. Well, I don't know. Wex Pike show Wex Pike, somebody <laughs> you see, and then he shows back up, and he's got so mm-hmm. you just never know. You never right. know with, with George. So, all right, so um, so this is uh, kind of a Raven I typed up here, um, and this is we're going to talk a li- again a little bit more about. Rickon and what we and uh, this kind of continues on with that, but it also just sort of like Skagos is a pretty mysterious place in in the first place, right? So yeah. Um. So here, let let me let me let me get this uh, pulled up here. So east of the Bay of Seals lies a mountainous island said to contain savage people and a myster- and mysterious creatures, um, and it's known as the Island of Skagos. The Skagosi could easily be mistaken as wildlings, given their attire of skins and furs and untanned hides. It said they still offer human sacrifices to the weirwood trees, lure passing ships to destruction with false lights, and then feed upon the flesh of men during winter. They are even said to ride unicorns and may be the descendants from giants and rarely travel from their island. So what's even there and how will this affect our story going forward? So I'm going to be pulling from two chapters here, uh, Bran 7 from A Clash of Kings and Davos 4 from A Dance of Dragons. Uh, this is sort of paraphrasing some of this Bran chapter, which is the final chapter of the book we're currently on in our reread. On the edge of the Blackpool, beneath the shelter of the heart tree, Maester Lewin lay on his belly in the dirt, a trail of blood twisted back through damp leaves where he had crawled. Gently, they eased Lewin onto his back. He had gray eyes and gray hair, and once his robes had been gray as well, but they were darker now where the blood had soaked through. Bran, he said softly when he saw him sitting tall on Hodor's back, and Rickon's too. He smiled. The gods are good, I knew. Um, He's cut off. We need to make a litter to carry him, said Osha. No use, said Lewin. I'm dying, woman. You can't, said Rickon angrily. No, you can't. Beside him, Shaggy Dog bared his teeth and growled. The maester smiled. Hush now, child. I'm much older than you. I can die as I please. Listen, Lewin said to Osha. The princes, Rob's heirs. Not, not together, do you hear? The wildling woman leaned on her spear. Aye, safer apart. But where to take them? I thought maybe these Kerwins. Maester Lewin shook his head though it was plain to see what the effort cost him. Kerwin's boys dead, Sir Roderick, Lobald Tallhart, Lady Hornwood, all slain. 
Deep Woods Fallen, Moat Kalen, Soon Torren Square, Ironman on the Stony Shore, and East, the Bastard of Bolton. Then where, asked Osha, White Harbor, the Umbers, I, I do not know. There's war everywhere. Each man against his neighbor, and winter's coming. Such folly, such black mad folly. Maester Lewin reached up and grasped Bran's forearm, his fingers closing with a desperate strength. You must be strong now, strong. Aye, she turned to Mira. Take the boys. Jojen and Mira led Rickon out between them. Hodor followed. Low branches whipped at Bran's face as they pushed between the trees, and the leaves brushed away his tears. Osha joined them in the yard a few moments later. She said no word of Maester Lewin, who we know that she ends up giving him the gift of mercy. Hodor must stay with Bran to be his legs. The wildling woman said briskly, I will take Rickon with me. We'll go with Bran, said Jojen Reed. Aye, I thought you might, said Osha. Believe I'll try the east gate and follow the king's road a ways. We'll take the hunter's gate, said Mira. Hodor, said Hodor. They stopped at the kitchens first. Osha found some loaves of burned bread that were still edible, and even a cold roast fowl that she ripped in half. Mira unearthed a crock of honey and a big sack of apples. Outside they made their farewells. Rickon sobbed and clung to Hodor's leg until Osha gave him a smack with the end with the butt end of her spear. Then he followed her quickly enough. Shaggy Dog stalked after them. The last Bran saw of them was the dire wolf's tail as it vanished behind the broken tower. And that is the last that we have seen of Rick and Stark in wow. the series. Yeah. Until, well, at least we haven't seen him, but it seems like we will be. So this is Davos 4, A Dance with Dragon, and this is from Wex Pike, who we just covered in our, in our Maester study. He knows where they went, Lord Wyman said. Davos understood. You want the boy. Roose Bolton has Lord Eddard's daughter. To thwart him, White Harbor must have Ned's son and the direwolf. The wolf will prove the boy is who we say he is, should the Dreadfort attempt to deny him. That is my prince, Lord Davos. Smuggle me back, my liege lord, and I will take Stannis Baratheon as my king. Old instinct made Davos Seaworth reach for his throat. His finger bones had been his luck, and somehow he felt he would have need of luck to do what Wyman Manderly was asking of him. The bones were gone, though, so he said. You have better men than me in your service, knights and lords and maesters. Why would you need a smuggler? You have ships. Ships, Lord Wyman agreed, but my crews are rivermen or fisherfolk who have never sailed beyond the bite. For this I must have a man who sailed in darker waters and knows how to slip past dangers, unseen and unmolested. Where is the boy? Somehow Davos knew he would not like the answer. Where is it you want me to go, my lord? Um, Robert Glover said, Wex, show him. The mute flipped a dagger, caught it, and then flung it o uh, end over at the sheepskin map that adorned Lord Wyman's wall. It stuck quivering. Then he grinned. For half a heartbeat, Davos considered asking Wyman Manderley to send him back to the wolf's den, to Sir uh, Bartimus with his tails and Garth with his lethal ladies. In the den, even prisoners ate porridge in the morning. But there were other places in this world where men were known to eat their... Uh, to known to break their fast on human flesh. 
And he's, of course, talking about Skagos, which they talk a little bit about in the beginning of the chapter. So if Rick and Stark is there, which does seem maybe like a likely place for Osha to go, mm-hmm. um, she would know about it because it's said a lot that Skagos is mostly, it seems like wildling people, although technically it's still considered as part of the Seven Kingdoms. Um, she would be able to fit in there easily. It's kind of off. It seems like she would be able to survive there um, because it's it's said in the world of Ice and Fire, as I was reading some of the passages from it, that people who go there don't come back. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, right. It's it's super mysterious, and it's not, it's a dangerous place. You know, the thing that that has always been interesting to me is, like, that is a long that's a long way. And again, we know Bran went all the way up to the wall and everything. So, you know, it, and look at where White Harbor is. It just, it's fascinating to me that it's south, what White Harbor being south of, of Winterfell, very much so. Skagos is way up there. Obviously, Davos is going to take a ship and he's going to go up and, and that's going to be his, his entry point is, is, is on the ship. But then Wex, like how far, look at how far he has to travel with them to see that they went to Skagos. He had to just overhear that that's where they were going. I don't think he actually went all the way to Skagos with them and then came back. Um, so, but, but anyways, yeah, it is, um, it's interesting to think about that being a really scary place. It makes sense. Osha, as you said, would go there. Uh, she's familiar with that, that region. She's familiar with the North, although she's trying to get as far South as she can, but what's she familiar with? She's familiar with that Northern territory. So that, you know, if she wants to survive and keep Rickon hidden, that's where she's going to do that. She's going to take him north to what she understands, what she's familiar with, and uh, keep him safe. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so, so just some things about, about Skagos. Uh, and then we can go back to Rickon a little bit here. Um, if you look at some of the history of it, uh, they at one point had a Night's Watch commander who didn't last very long. A lot of people think that it's possible he might have been the person who was the Knights King back the 13th yeah. Lord Commander. Um right that that become the the Knights King that lay, that sleeps with a wildling woman and marries a wildling woman and all of that. Um he's one of the candidates um for that. Um in the legend Bale the Bard, uh he enters the guise of the name Sigric of Skagos and the word Sigric means deceiver. In the old tongue, uh, mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. that's definitely um, something uh, kind kind of interesting. Um, and then the stone in Skagos, um, uh, Skagos means stone. Excuse me in the in the old in the old tongue. So sometimes they are called themselves the Stoneborn. Um, so that that's hmm. that's yeah. kind of another thing. Uh, it said that they are believed to have. Um, some of the maesters believe that they have Ibanez blood um, and, and that some of the others suggest they may be partly descended from giants. Uh, they might live in caves. And then, of course, there's the unicorn, which maesters sort of uh, don't believe in. But then they, they are certainly riding these sort of hairy animals that have these horns. Right. So that's mm-hmm, people don't mm-hmm. really know. They're just kind of their own kind of their own thing. I think it'd be cool if we saw them. I, I totally everyone wants to see. See, mm-hmm. uni- see unicorns. Um, they engage in cannibalism in the winter. They still are believed to have make human sacrifices to weirwoods, uh, and they trade in pelts, obsidian blades, and arrowheads. 
Well, they seem like they might be real important in the wars to come, you know, yeah. right? With all the, I mean, like some good weaponry, uh, and, and they're probably familiar with the dangers beyond the wall. So, uh, yeah, you know, do, do you think, though, do you think Rickon is safe there? Do you think if OSHA took him there, like, especially, as, as you mentioned, just the idea that they're, um, the symbolism of that being a place where it's, it's not safe, they are deceivers, um, I don't know, you know, it's, would that be, would they see this as an, as an advantage? Like, okay, we have a Stark and now we can kind of do something that might amplify us in the North in, ter in terms of the Northern mm -hmm. discussion or, or what? I do, especially because the, the, the thing that's, that's constantly described about them is that they're incredibly savage. Now, remember in the books, Rickon is like four years old. He is way younger than he is in the show. So now you have somebody who, even if he gets there, if he, if Osha probably described, just says he's my son, right? But he's going to mm. show up and he's going to have a dire wolf. I think the pe I think the people of Skagos are less likely to try and do something with him. I think they're more likely to rally behind him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You have you have somebody who's already described as like you know sort of the most sad. He's this young boy. I think he's going to show back up with his direwolf and an army of Skagosi people. Yeah, and then he's going to help take back Winterfell. I don't. I think it's. It, I think the show did again. We were we were before the uh, before we were looking at this. We were looking at some of the stuff with the pink letter and how it's different in the show and uh, in the book. Because in the book, he he doesn't say anything about having Rickon. That's a that's in the show. That's part of the that's part of the thing. In the books, it doesn't happen. So uh, nobody knows where Rickon is until until now, and it's only it's only Manderly right and Wex who who know about him. He would have been here for at least maybe a year, which is probably about the amount of time that it's it's been since he's uh, been there. However, however long I think it's I think it's roughly like two to three years is the time period of of the course of the main series of books. So Rickon's maybe five or six. He's his dire wolf is probably bigger. They probably respect him there. Yep. I mean, look how much respect John kind of gets respect from the wildlings with with mm -hmm. uh, ghosts. Yeah. No, I think that's right. I think you're probably right that he that he would fit uh maybe fit in or that they he does have that wild kind of nature and his dire wolf is is more wild uh, and they're closely related to the to, to the wildlings. So or mistaken uh for wildlings from time to time. Mm -hmm. Uh yeah, I could see that happening. I just ke keep going back to like why in the world did the show the showrunners decide to kill him if if he's going to like what a big difference though. Like you know what I mean? Like either either he's killed in the show and he's killed in the books or and if they're if they're completely opposite, that's that would that would just show you how vastly different the book series is going to be. That cuz I like what you said earlier is that he could fill that role of being someone that we rally behind in the north. And the grand northern conspiracy is is really manderly is outmaneuvering whoever and Stannis may still fall, etc. or maybe Stannis lives on. And and Rickon is his sort of um, propped up Northern Stark, the Stark in Winterfell. I like it. Be Maybe cool. John's resurrected a lot later than we think, and he missed a lot of this Battle of the Bastard stuff. Might not happen. It might go down totally different because we've said it before. I mean, you think, just think about so many things are different there. They're looking. He's looking for Arya Stark, the fake Arya Stark, and Jane Poole. Um. 
they still have to go to hard home. Sansa's mm-hmm. still in the veil. Still got to yeah. deal with Stannis. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> who, yeah, it, who knows? Yeah. And it, I, I and think it's, it's and, and I think it's I, sorry. I think it's unlikely that something happens where Ramsey goes and gets Rickon, unless Manderly is double crossing us and, and working for Rams uh, for uh, Ramsey's Roos and Ramsey because mm-hmm. Roos is still alive, and he, they're going to go get him. And he's like, "Well, actually, I was just doing it to prop up the Manderleys that much more with my new my new leash lords." But I don't think so. It doesn't seem like it. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like that. Uh, seems like the Freys have a better seat at the table th- than the Manderleys, right. and so they're about to all be dead though once Arya comes back. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and even just th- they're they seem to be stumbling into maybe um, a trap or going headlong into you know some 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 trouble. But I just keep wondering. You know, I'm like, how do you get to a point in the books where you kill Rickon or where Rickon is captured? I think you have to bring him out of Skagos, and you'd have to move him closer to Winterfell and then other other powers you know whether it's Stannis or Roos or whoever would actually end up getting a hold of him that's the people we don't want to to get a hold of him so if that were to happen that th- those are the people who have to have him you know so yeah the Boltons so yeah it's interesting it's just it's a it is it's a mysterious interesting place it sounds it sounds like it's mostly wildlings but then you have the the mountain clans that are technically still part of the seven kingdoms. Mm-hmm. So yep. I think sometimes we forget about these, these little places because it's not King's Landing. It's not, you know, high garden or Winterfell. And Hey, these, mm-hmm. these people are here too. And could be a valuable force to, to bring down. Cause I, I bet they don't, I bet they don't like the Boltons. They probably, they probably mm-hmm. at least respect the Starks. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, th- and you know, too, like it's it, that would just be a such a gift to have a Stark that you could help prop up in Winterfell. It would give them so much as long as they have the, the political savviness to understand that. And, you know, and we don't read too much in the fact that they're we all think they're just savage kind lives. of hunter. Gather- yeah. I don't think that's the case. So I think they're going to see an advantage in this and and uh yeah, I'm still mystified, and hopefully somebody in the comments or at some point can let me know what you guys think your, your thoughts are on Wex, and did he go all the way to Skagos and try to get back, and, you know, just what happened between his, his tracking them down? It's just a long time, right? I mean, between A Clash of Kings and A Dance with Dragons, plenty of time that he could have actually done that. It's just, you know, the whole point was is that he stayed downwind or he stayed away from where uh, he tracks them and he follows them. That seems like something Osha and uh, Shaggy Dog would have picked up on, but it does. It's, it's explained that he stayed back, and he does seem pretty skilled. He's throwing, you know, knives and stuff, and he's been with Dion, so uh, he's no slouch, as we say. But I'm still interested in that. So, yeah, yeah, okay. All right, as let's move on to the reread today. This time we are into uh, John Seven. Um, of a clash of kings here. So uh, if you remember last time, what happened was John basically lets Egret go, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're they're supposed to supposed to kill her, and uh, he doesn't. So this is another short chapter, but there is there's quite a bit to unpack. There's a big big sort of wolf dream um, that might be connected to a crow dream. I mean, some crazy, yeah. just some crazy yeah. stuff here. So 
Um, so just kind of summar- sum- summarize this. Uh, John tells Corrin Halfhand what Agret said to him about Mance Raider, accepting him if he ran off. Corrin uh, confirms this. He knew Mance when he was a black brother, and the ranger tells John that Mance loved songs and wildling women, and that he was a wildling captured as a child by the Watch. He was the best ranger they had, but he returned to his roots, some say to gain a crown. Corrin suspects that John let Agret go, and John confirms that he did. However, Corrin understands that the girl was not a threat, and that if he had wanted her dead, he would have had, had Eben do it, or have done it himself. Corrin tells John that he knows him better than he did before, and that's, an, that's important for a commander to know of his men. He says, uh, they, they travel at night and rest during the day. That morning, John dreams of five direwolves when there should have been six. Seeing through the eyes of Ghost, he finds himself in a forest and senses a voice calling his name from a nearby weirwood with a face resembling his brother's, except it has three eyes. His brother explains to him how to open his eyes, and the tree reaches down and touches him, and then he finds himself back in the mountains. He's atop a cliff and oversees thousands of men training for combat. He sees mammoths with giants riding them. Suddenly, an eagle soars out of the sky and comes straight for him. John awakes shouting Ghost's name. The others hear his shout, and he tells them what he saw. Corrin calls it a wolf dream, and Eben calls John a skin changer. Corrin, however, does not balk at the thought of wargs and giants during a time when the dead walk and the trees have eyes again. They set out just before dusk and spot an eagle watching them well out of bowshot. Soon after, they find Ghost wounded and dress his wounds. Corrin tells um, them that they must head back to the Fist, for they have been seen by the eagle, which they fear is a skin changer as well. They begin the journey back through the Skirling Pass without lighting any fires despite the cold, but their lead on the enemy is shortening. And when they come upon a place where the wildlings were killed, Squire Dalbridge remains behind with all the arrows, sacrificing himself to give the others an advantage. Let me just say, there's so much. This is one of these chapters where, like last week's chapter, I felt like we were kind of like, all right. We mm-hmm. re- I felt yeah. like we had to stretch it out, you know? Sure. So that happens. That happens from time to time. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's a lot, but it's like, what do you really in this chapter is short, but it's like, my God, there's like a, so much stuff happens Packed. and so many rabbit holes and theories and stuff to jump down. Um, I mean, first of all, uh, let's, I just want to, I just want to start with one thing real quick here. Okay. Sure. Shout out to Squire Dalbridge. Shout out. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. Pour one out <laughs> for Squire Dalbridge. It, this is a scene where there's really it. not a lot of – it's one of these things where it's like Game of Thrones is not like other fandoms where there's not really a lot of moments that I consider just like utterly epic, right? Like like the show, the, the show it, it's so drama heavy where it's – you know, it's, it's not like Star Wars or Marvel where I can go and be like, I want to watch, you know – like Captain America or Captain America would be like Avengers assemble and everybody rushes and they're like fighting everybody and blowing everybody, you know, or like Star Wars when Luke Skywalker shows up, shows back up and the Mandalorian is just wrecking all like the, you know, all the droids and all this stuff. Game of Thrones doesn't really have a lot of that. It's like, it's like big, heavy, epic drama moments, right? Where it's, it's, it's Tyrion at the, um, you know, it's 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 Tyrion at the trial. It's Danny when she does the mic drop, basically, and gets her unsullied mm-hmm, army, and mm-hmm. they just start killing everybody. Um, but this moment this is an underrated moment, and this is one that the show 
you missed out on. Okay, you could have had an epic moment yeah. here with Squire Dalbridge, where Corin says basically, "I need you." Squire Dalbridge says, "Understood," and just does it. Understood. And just understood. Uh, just sir. Does it and just does. Like it. literally, Corin says, "Like a man, one man, right, could stand in this pass." And he could defend it for he could take out hundreds, and that man yeah. is Squire Dalbridge. <laughs> Somebody make a shirt. This guy deserves his own T-shirt. I mean, it's it's just it's it's sick. And and by the way, his name, I've said it before, Squire Dalbridge. Right? We we sometimes stop and we think, oh yeah, sure, he was a squire to a king. No, go a step further and think to yourself, he was a squire to a Targaryen king. What caused him to end up at the wall? Did he do something wrong? Like, what is his backstory that he robbed, stole, did something? That he also happens to be with a unit, um, Corrin Halfhand, who is, by the way, John says multiple times, my lord. He is no lord. Why? Because Corrin is way more than a lord, right? Way more. All right? He may have been a part of the Kingsguard. He may have been someone else more significant, higher just than a lord. Guy. He could just be some guy. <laughs> But I mean, right. they take orders from Corrin Halfhand, not just because of, I think it, it, it goes far beyond just the events at Eastwatch by the Sea and his, his legendary, the things that, that Corrin has done. It predates that. These guys are, it seems as if they knew each other prior. He, Eben, Stone Snake, I mean, Stone Snake. I go back to these names and you're like, this group is just like, we will die. They don't question him at all. And they take John, our main character. It just, it's 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 unreal. It is wild. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, real quick, we don't know how old Dalbridge is. It just says that he's an older man and regarded as a great archer. Um, I guess yeah. he he says, yeah, uh, he squired in his youth for King Jaehaerys the second. So King Jaehaerys is. The king after Egg, Egg on the fifth, um, and then is before Ares, uh, the Mad King. So, Jaehaerys is two fifty nine to two sixty two. Um, I'm just trying to do some math here, really quick, because I believe yeah, yeah. we don't we don't know we don't know how he got to the wall either. I'm just just saying, is was no. he there when Blood Raven was there? He was not at the wall when Blood Raven was there. No, but he seems to be like a part of a second batch. You know, the Raven's teeth go with blood. I've thought about this before. They go up prior right. to Dalbridge and Corrin Halfhand and, and and these guys who seem like that second generation or just a generation, mm -hmm. just a little a little bit, um, you know, off. But there. some of so, the guys that are there would have been part of the yeah, Raven's teeth, which were Blood Raven's elite group of archers. Exactly. So he probably learned from some of those guys. Could have. Could have. Absolutely could have. Uh, and that, that's what I think some of the older members of the Night's Watch are there. You have a faction of Targaryen loyalists there. It's it's really interesting. Alistair Thorne, uh, of, of all people, is someone who could be, you know, he's pro-Targaryen. And we have John mixed in with all of them. So I think that is... Uh, Something to consider. All of these individuals, and just I think we're we're in this chapter, but we're gonna I'm gonna jump ahead here for a little bit. Corin, uh, Eben, Squire Dalbridge, they all will be killed, right? And they give their lives for John in this epic way, except for Stone Snake. 
who is still yeah. out there. And and there's a story to be told. He will, I think, bring us back to these characters and think and, and have us think about why they followed Korin the way they did. Korin also believes wholeheartedly in this in this vision, in this in these dreams, and the old powers are waking. He tells Mormont this, like, and it gives you chills to hear one of your seasoned, like, very respected commanders say, the old powers are, you know, moving again and 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 that they're waking and, and whatever. So why does he do that? He must know something. Blood Raven still in communication with some of the members of the Raven's Teeth. Like, are they... How do these guys get there? What are their backstories? Did they are they kind of like because we have to remember too? I think we always think something bad happened to get you there. Benjamin Stark just goes. It's an honorable thing to do, right? He doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't think he'll ever well, be in a we position don't, where there might be more to that, but there might be more to that. That's that's for sure. The the whole John, everything. It's all plot. It's all there, there's there's a lot. <laughs> Hold on, Corin Halfhand is talking at one point about. Mance Raider, right? These guys are all connected, by the way. Let's look up Mance Raider's age because he seems to be about the uh, uh, maybe their age as well. None of them have an age, do they? Stone Snake, none of them. Um, Mance Raider, we can look at him for a second. Look up his age to see if there's anything on it. But Corin says that uh, when when asked, you know, John says, "Did you know him? You're how well? You are you know? Did did all of these people know Mance Raider? Like not just them." He says, "We all." knew him we all knew mance now you could think just people at the shadow tower just individuals at uh, members of the night's watch or did the entire kingdom know who mance raider uh was at one point he he doesn't bow he doesn't bend the knee very easily and so again i just throw out two more connections to possibly Rhaegar, and I, i think it's i think that's something to think about but anyways yeah yeah, it uh it does it doesn't it does not say his age. Um so we have to we have to kind of guess just given sort of his appearance. Um we know that sometime between 286 and 288 Lord Eddard Stark travels. Um uh, sometime between 286 and 288 Lord Commander Corgol traveled to Winterfell to meet with Lord Eddard Stark and Mance is among the Black Brothers escorting him. Um, in Winterfell, he encounters then a young Rob Stark and Jon Snow playing a prank, and he promises not to tell on what the uh, you know what the prank is. Um, years later, he's attacked by a shadow cat while ranging, and was healed by a wildling woman, a um, a wise woman's daughter. While recuperated, she uses his uh, tor- uh, his cloak right um, with swatches of red silk right, and so then he ends up going back, and that's ultimately when he decides he wants to. He, he wants to go live with the free folk, right? Right. So it's hard. It, it, there's nothing specific. I mean, the sh- give it, if you look at the show, um, just sort of the portrayal of him there, I mean, I would say that Mance is probably roughly the same age as, like, Stannis, I would have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And Stannis is born. Uh, well, we maybe a firm date on when Stannis is born. 264. So that'd make him like in his forties, which is probably about right for Mance Raider, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Here's something too. I was looking up uh, eye color today and in indigo. I mean, we got into the whole in, in indigo connection and um, Rhaegar mm-hmm. having indigo colored eyes and and whatnot. 
and Mance's eyes are obviously described as I think brown. I think they're described described as brown eyes. Now that was a vision that Danny had. We don't have a real that that all could have been distorted, but still, uh, we had the Indigo connection with Corin, um, who came at dawn, and then Indigo is referenced, and we were trying to make a bunch of um, Mance Raider connections, and these guys all know him, so. Yeah, we're just still trying to figure out how, how it all works together. Now, he, oh, real quick on Squire Dalbridge, someone had uh, an interesting thought here that he does say uh, in his dreams, it's always pretty women in my dreams. And that's what he dreamed of most often was pretty women. So perhaps he had an affair with a princess. He's the squire of a king. Maybe he hooked up with, you know, one of the Targaryens at court or something. You know what I mean? Maybe he did do something like that to, to get him sent up to the wall. But... Yeah. Maybe. And he wishes he dreamt more. Yeah. And then <laughs> he literally is a shield that guards yes. the realms of man. And he, how many wildlings do you think he takes out? Hundreds. Hundreds. I'm going to give him, I don't know, probably not. But like, I like to think that he was just laying people low. You know what I mean? Just taking just up guys there, out. Just like, just up there, like, just like, like, just like, like, basically like Legolas in Lord of the Rings. He's up there just like shots fired, you know? Oh man, but but you're right though. The unflinchingness to say they know a man must die, a man must give the, to for them for the rest of them to have a chance. Some one of us has to die, and and Squire Dalbridge says, "Aye, aye, gotcha. It'll yeah. be me then. It's a yeah. good day to die." And I'm yeah. like, "What the heck? <laughs> These guys are just they're on another level." So, um, but I guess r- real quick, and it. it Go ahead. Oh, I was just—I was just gonna say. Um, I was just gonna say the. It's crazy to think you just look at the at the Night's Watch. Um, nobody shows Jor Mormont this kind of, or John, or Alistair Thorne this kind of respect that they show Corrin. Yeah. yeah. That when when they're getting when they're getting ready to be attacked by the Wildlings at Castle Black, everyone's like scared and freaking out, and I don't want to be here and all this stuff. I mean, look at Corrin half. It's totally different. I'm totally, totally just yes, understood, understood. Yep. I know. And, and actually, okay, something about Corin as well too. In the beginning of this chapter, when John's like are like thinking he's going to be upset with him, he tells John, he says, "I told you to do what must be done, right? I didn't say to go kill Egret, right? He said, I, I said that that will inform what you decide will tell me something about you." He's like, if I need someone to climb a mountain, I call upon Stone Snake, right? If I need someone to shoot someone across the battlefield and, you know, uh, Squire Dalbridge, right? I mean, he'll, he'll call, he knows his men, he knows his people. And so it, you just see like a, a different level of commander there, like something that's, that predates him joining the Night's Watch and learning all of this in the Night's Watch. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. And, it, and I think I think I think that's why, especially given like just how much I mean, they literally mutiny against Jor Mormont and kill him, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's another reason why people look at you know. Also, this this chapter does say Corrin was there, Don was with him. Um, I think that's why people are like, it just seems so likely that he would secretly be somebody else, possibly Arthur. Yeah, Dane, right? all the fan art too of him. He looks. <laughs> they, they all draw him just to look like Arthur Dane. It's hilarious. I mean, he looks he looks mm-hmm. like stud. They do describe his eyes mm-hmm. a little bit, 
you know, they don't say what color they are, but they just, but they do like, they talk about how you had like keen eyes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of interesting because nor- normally so they, when we talk about Targaryens or, you know, people from like House Lannister, these bigger houses, right, that were no- notable, we always talk about the eye color. It's something that's mm-hmm. always brought up. Well, they don't, George doesn't say the color of them, but he does, mm-hmm. he does say, uh, that, that he doesn't he doesn't take notice of the eyes. Yeah, and sometimes that could even be just to pay attention to this guy. There's something interesting, you know, about yeah. him, and we should be keen on him, uh, which which is which is cool. You know, since you brought that up real quick, I don't want to forget this. Uh, and this was two chapters ago, two episodes ago, when I talked about Indigo. Uh, Danny, when she's having her vision and she sees Rhaegar with the Indigo eyes. Later on, she sees an indigo heart. It's in the, and the heart was pulsing; it was beating, and it was it was casting an indigo light around the room. And Matt, the heart was still alive. It was described as still being alive, casting an indigo light. And Rhaegar's eyes are indigo. And you're like, oh my god! Is that is, is that saying that Rhaegar is alive? That's his beating heart. Does that symbolize that? I just kind of thought it was kind of cool, and I came across it in my research today, and I thought, wow, uh, all right, cool. There's always one more little tidbit or little layer that you can kind of uh, find in this in this series. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just looking here. Yeah, you're right, man. All of the all of the art of Corn Halfhand compared to the art of <laughs> Arthur Dane, they look like the the exact same person. I mean, they same. look like the same person. Exact. Just a little older. Right. Yeah. The exact same person. And remember, they talk about how Corrin is tall like a spear, which is just like, yeah. Okay. Just let, you know, put your mind immediately in like Dorn. Same, same type of a thing. And it's, it is interesting too. You know, what he, what he, the way he deals with John, it's not them freaking out and saying, hey, I, I told you to do this or I did this. No, it seems like, okay, it's like I just I wanted to wanted to see you. It's almost like he's giving – he's teaching John. Yes, he is. Yeah. Preparing him for something. Yeah. And also they – you know, you know you're going after Mance. This is – it's such a big deal. John is important. To, like he's brand new. He's air quote green. There's tons of other people there you could have taken, but he, but it's John. Right, they, that John, John that goes with them, so it's wild. Uh, do you, prior to this, though, do you want me to jump into? Because I have the passage pulled up here, I can read. Go right ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and read to you guys what John sees. Let's just get into the wolf dream a little bit and get into the connections with Bran and the werewood. So when he closed his eyes, he dreamed of dire wolves. There were five of them uh, when there should have been six, and they were scattered each apart from the others. He felt a deep ache of emptiness, a sense of incompleteness. So that's just talking kind of about. Uh, it, we realize that. He is uh, in ghost and, and, and what have you. So there's a wind that's blowing. As it died away, he pricked up his ears, listening for an answer. But the only sound was the sigh of blowing snow. John, comes this voice, right? Question mark. The call came from, from behind him, softer than a whisper, but strong too. Can a shout be silent? He turned his head, searching for his brother. For a glimpse of a lean gray shape moving beneath the trees, but there was nothing, only a werewood. It seemed to sprout forth from solid rock, its pale roots uh, twisting up from the fissures and the hairline cracks. The tree was slender compared to other werewood trees he had seen, no more than a sapling. 
yet uh, it was growing as he watched. Its limbs thickening uh, as they reached for the sky. Wary, he circled the smooth white trunk until he came to the face. Red eyes looked at him, fierce eyes they were, yet glad to see him. The werewood had his brother's face, had his brother always had three eyes. Not always came a silent shout. Not before the crow. He sniffed at the bark, smelled um, he sniffed at the bark, smelled wolf and tree and boy. But behind that, there were other scents, the rich brown smell of warm earth and the hard gray smell of stone and something else, something terrible. Death, he knew. He was smelling death. He cringed back, his hair bristling, and he bared his fangs. Don't be afraid. Uh, I like it in the dark. No one can see you, but you can see them. But first, you have to open your eyes. See, like this. And the tree reached down and touched him. Then, suddenly, he was back in the mountains, his paws sunk deep in a drift of snow as he stood upon the edge of a great precipice. Before him, the Skirling Pass opened uh, into an airy emptiness. A long, V-shaped uh, valley lay spread beneath him like a quilt, awash in all the colors of autumn. A vast blue white wall plugged one end of the veil, squeezing between them. So this is all the description of basically everyone uh, that we have there with, with Mance, possibly a group of people, right? This is no army, uh, no more than it is a town. This is a whole people come together. Across the long lake, one of the mounds moved. He watched it more closely and saw that it was not dirt at all, but alive, a shaggy, lumbering beast with a snake for a nose and tusk larger than those of the greatest boar that had ever lived. And the thing riding it was huge as well. And his shape was wrong, too thick in the leg and hips to be a man. Then a sudden gust of cold made his fur stand up, and the air thrilled to the sound of wings. As he lifted his eyes to the ice-white mountain heights above, a shadow plummeted out of the sky. A shrill scream split the air. He glimpsed blue-gray um, talons spread and then shutting out the sun. So yeah, that's the, that's the attack from the, uh, from the eagle there. So that is just the, the read-through of kind of the dream that John has. He wakes up and he's, he's kind of in pain. And then he also is, is um, we find out Ghost will show up later. Ghost has been attacked. This is real. He really did see it. And for a long time, people were asking the question, is this brand from the future? That was the big thing, right? Was is, this is brand from the future? And we find out at the end of this book that um, brand basically hints that he had once contacted John. And he, when he says that, um, he had dreamed he was talking about how he liked kind of the dreams and how he was dreaming about wolves and werewoods mm -hmm. and things like that. And he said, and he once dreamed of, he talked to, to John uh, or Ghost. And he says that in, while he's in the crypts of Winterfell. And so the things that, that we're seeing there, we're, we're smelling boy, uh, we're smelling wolf, we're smelling tree, and we're smelling stone from the crypts, and we're smelling the earth, and we're smelling the death that is in those crypts. You know, so that was kind of the interesting connection there. Um, yeah, I don't know. So that's just, just where, where we're at with, um, yeah. Which is interesting. No, that it's really interesting though, because 
how does brand so it's so it's so weird when we think about it because we talk like the weirwood network do you have to be in a weirwood do you have to be or not like touching one does yeah. the roots of the weirwood go down to the crypt did he happen to mm-hmm. just like sleep up against the wall and mm-hmm. there's a root there and he's touching it or can he do it anywhere and he can just commute use any weirwood he needs mm-hmm because mm-hmm. it yeah. seems like in the it seems like in when once he gets to the cave, maybe it's you're just more powerful when you're next to one. Like he's like, I got he's grabbing the weirwood, right? He's touching it to use sure. it. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know. And and a lot of people have um take a little bit of issue with this, I guess, and they, they wonder like what why does why is it that Bran seems to be was this by accident? Because it's actually when you when you hear Bran at the end of a Clash of Kings talk about this he is reflecting on a dream and he wasn't quite sh- well, like he's not even really sure how it happened or whatever but right. it just kind of happened so maybe you're right he did just lean up against it or maybe someone else is helping kind of string these dreams or these mind these thoughts together what i think is interesting is that brand is kind of mixed up in the werewood and his dire wolf and john and aria and others are when they dream they dream in their wolves and their wolves can sense one another far away right so ghosts can sense there there should have been more there was only five uh there should have been six and then so he, they're, they're all kind of connected like the direwolves are connected in their in their mindset or their their spiritual whatever um abilities and then you have brand who's connected to likes to dream about summer uh but ends up being pulled in with the whole third eye situation into werewood dreams and presents himself as um a werewood. So I don't know if that's what the connection, that, that's why the connection was bridged or how it was made or whatever. And then what, you know, is he just sort of repeating things he's heard from Jojen, like needing to open your third eye, things he's learned from the crow who's been appearing in his dream. Cause he has not gone uh, to meet the three eyed crow yet. He hasn't, he hasn't quite gotten there and his powers are yeah. not nearly as adept, you know, as, as they will be later. Like he's, he accidentally stumbles into this. So. Yeah. Right. Interesting. It's great. God, it's all just great. It's all just great. Um, and then we know where we will go to in the next next John chapter where we're going to get some real big stuff with Corin Halfhand and maybe yeah. sacrifices that, that will be made. So. It's yeah. great. As It's all just great, man. You know, it's just. I love it. Stone Snake. is out there. Corin. Yeah. And shout out to Dalbridge. <laughs> I know, okay? man. I know. He's, the he's everything. Guards. Yeah. The yeah. realms of men. Well, the, yeah, the crazy thing is, is like the like the irony here is that he's protecting House Targaryen. You know? He's a he's a Targaryen Maybe. loyalist. And he might have just saved a, a young princeling. It's crazy. <laughs> yes. The one true king, maybe, if you go, if you if you look at it. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Well, shorter chapter this week, guys. There's really, uh, there's not a lot. Next time we'll be into Tyrion 13. I had to look at my Roman numerals there. Um, as we get closer, man, to the end of A Clash of Kings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. There's some, I mean, we, we've got a lot of, we got big battles. We got things to settle. Uh, Sansa is going to have to go through some, some pretty tough stuff. Uh, John. We know where he's headed. Uh, Arya is still out there, wandering, you know, wandering around. It's it's wild, man. So I'm excited because I'm, 
I looked up and I saw what was this chapter fifty? What was this fifty three? This is fifty three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just wild to think we're we're that far into this. So I'm pumped, honestly. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, as always, hey, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing chapter fifty four, Tyrion thirteen of A Clash of Kings. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us that raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember that winter is coming.